0: A very natural thing women have been getting pregnant since the beginning of time and having babies since the beginning of time and um I felt I felt um, I felt that my body failed me and I also felt that I kind of failed my husband like you know we got married and are compatible because we were both on the same page about wanting to start a family and when I we realized that which sounds so terrible to put blame but like when you're in it it's just the way that you feel you're like i'm the problem mm. it it felt like i was really letting him down like this wasn't what he wanted out of i'm sure he wanted the fairy tale easy breezy try couple months you know get the surprise she's pregnant hello
1: everyone and welcome to the mom's on the grind podcast i'm your host sarah desmore live from miami and i can't believe this is already episode 11. i feel like i just started this podcast and now we already have 11 episodes in. this is crazy. so i wanted to let you guys know that i'm going to be doing things a little bit differently now when i interview people. so i'm not just going to go straight to the introduction and to the to the interview. i'm actually going to talk about a few things going on on my side that way you guys can always be updated with what's happening, you know, in my life and what's going on. so i'm going to talk about a book that i'm reading how I'm feeling at the moment and what I'm grateful for and I'm also going to be really transparent about something that I'm currently working on. Plus, I'm also going to talk about why I chose the person interviewed and what I've learned from them. A book that I'm currently reading is The One Thing by Gary Keller I've read that book a couple of years ago when I was just starting off in real estate in Miami, and the book kind of spoke to me, but not as much. And I was kind of like, you know, it's a little bit rah-rah for me at the time, but now that I've evolved in my career, I feel like this book is so relevant now. One thing that I'm learning about it is um, how to get an accountability partner and only focus on what's important, right? It's not about working more hours. It's about working less hours, but more purposefully. So I highly suggest the book. I think I have maybe 40 pages left. It's insane. You know, there's some books that you, need, that you need to reread a couple of times at different times in your life to to really get it, right? So yeah, The One Thing by Gary Keller. And how I'm feeling right now, what I'm grateful for. So I'm feeling very blessed right now, but at the same time, I'm feeling a little bit worried. It's weird. It's kind of like mixed feelings, right? So, you know, business is still going, However, I'm still dealing with time management issues, you know, with this whole COVID-19 going on. I'm still kind of trying to figure things out. And when I don't have structure, I feel stressed when things, you know, I was finally getting used to doing my morning stuff. And, you know, I finally had found a schedule that was finally working after all these years and everything got you know, flipped upside down. So I'm still working on that. So that is something that I'm working on. I'm also working on not being so hard on myself. Uh, that's, that's again, very, very difficult when you're, I'm I'm such a high achiever. I love always wanting to do more and doing the most or whatnot. And now I have to learn that I'm not Superwoman. I'm not, you know, Houdini. I'm not a genius in terms of You know, I'm not the genius, the genie in Aladdin. Like I can't just poof, make things change. We're living in these times with COVID and the lockdown and all of that. So, you know, I need to not be so hard on myself, but I'm also very grateful that my daughter is cool. It seems very small, but just having a daughter that's, she's not difficult. You know, she's really, really cool. She loves to help me around the house. And, you know, if I have to get work done, she'll pretty much figure out what to do, even though she's an only child. So I'm really grateful for that. Moving on to our interview, I decided to interview my friend, Natalie Zachary Scott. I've known her for such a long time. She she was actually one of my first friends when I moved to Miami. And I feel like this interview is overdue. I should have probably, she probably should have been the first person I interviewed because she's such a good person and her story is really, really interesting. She's a young attorney. She's actually younger than me. She's a young attorney. She's a wife. Uh, She's a mom to a little boy named Ace. She's currently pregnant, waiting on her second child, which is going to be a girl. I met her before she even got married. I met her when she was working. She had a business partner and they had their own law firm. And so much has happened in between, right? So she ended up starting her own law firm. She ended up getting married, having trouble conceiving to have a baby. I mean, so much has happened since I met her. So... Her story is inspiring. And what I find particularly inspiring about her story, too, is that she never gave up. You know, that's one of the things I learned from her is that don't give up, but also let go and let God. And she also taught me a lot about relationships. You know, she taught me that. You can't be, you can't expect someone to be what you're not, right? So if you're expecting someone to be this amazing partner, you also have to be that amazing partner. And she also taught me a lot about, you know, red flags or what to look for when you meet someone. So those are things that I've applied in my life personally. So guys, Natalie Zachary Scott, she's a real estate attorney, an amazing hustler. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this interview because she drops a lot of gems and Especially for people who had trouble conceiving, I think that you'll be able to relate to a lot of what she went through. So guys, enjoy this episode. Hey, everyone. So I have Natalie here with me. So Natalie, welcome. Just, you know, let us know who you are, what you do, and why you're a mom on the grind.
0: Hey, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Yes. So I consider myself mom on the grind because it actually explains my, my day to day. I am... First and foremost, a wife and a mom. Uh, and by day, I am a lawyer, entrepreneur, uh, running my my law firm. That's awesome. And
1: how long have you been running your law firm?
0: I have been in practice, solo practice, for four years
1: now. Okay, cool, cool. Um, I remember. I've no, I've known you since you know since the beginning, since you were with um, the. Pre- so, did you always know you wanted to be an attorney?
0: You know, I think I have. I, I think at a young age, my um, my parents and my grandparents. You know, I grew up in a household where you were going to be a lawyer or a doctor. <laughs> it was That's kind of I like get your really poison. Great. And so, I very much so took it and ran with it. I, I and conveniently uh, and very thankfully ended up loving it. Um, so so that. They kind of planted that seed at a young age. And my earliest memories, I remember saying I was going to be a lawyer.
1: That's super cool. And I know it's not easy. And what do you think that was your biggest challenge in becoming an attorney? So,
0: obviously, there's a lot of schooling involved. I've always been an academic, I've always loved school and nerding out. And so, Yes, the bar is challenging, and and getting over all of these, you know, academic requirements, and it's a lot long journey. But I think I don't know if it was the hard the hardest thing about becoming a an attorney or choosing the area of practice. I think is what was most challenging. Um, but as far as becoming an attorney, I think yeah, I guess the schooling uh thankfully I didn't have too much of an issue in that in that area though because you were like a
1: fellow nerd
0: (laughs) yeah yeah total nerd I I still can completely geek out on on things I I love I love learning I love staying on the cutting edge of what and the law is ever changing so it's not like you learn it once and it doesn't change like human anatomy it's not like becoming a doctor the body isn't really changing very much. Uh, but with a, in law, it's ever-changing, and it can change day-to-day. Day. So um, it's, it's staying abreast with those ever-changing laws, uh, which I find not challenging, but to be the difference, I think, than other industries.
1: And you said before that finding your area of practice is the most difficult one. What made you go into real estate?
0: You know, it's a funny story. So I originally started in personal injury, and it couldn't be any more different um, than real estate. I guess at the end, you are helping people, and that I was a working on a on the plaintiff side. So I was definitely helping people—people people that were injured in in slip and falls, car accidents—and it was extremely gratifying. Um, but when I went out on my own, personal injury cases take some time to settle. So I didn't have all that time to wait to make money. And so I originally uh, had a a business partner and we had one of our first clients was real estate was a real estate contract and it sort of fell into our lap and I fell in love with the process. I'm a very systematic person by nature and Although I, it has proven true, every real estate transaction comes with its own set of challenges, and you always learn something new or different in each transaction. Um, it still is a very systematic way of processing the file, which I connect with and I really like.
1: That's super cool. And I know uh, real estate is more volume, right? How are you dealing? How are you dealing with that? Uh,
0: yes, real estate is a volume-based business, and. Um, Especially on our end, you can look at any, your HUD or your settlement statement in a real estate transaction and coincidence you know, unfortunately, fortunately, you know, look like however you want to look at it, but funny enough, the attorney is actually sometimes the lowest paid uh, in a transaction. So it's definitely a volume-based business. And in the current climate we're in with COVID-19, every industry has been impacted and I'm very thankful to say that although I've had deals that have been impacted, it hasn't all been negative. Um, There's definitely been my fair share of transactions where people are pushing to close and they want to close. Um, and also part of real estate is not just that purchase and sale, it's going to be the refinances. And a lot of people are doing cash out refinancing on their homes. Um, so I've actually seen an influx in that side of my business and then on the side where it's just purchase and sales, they're, they are closing. We've, we've been met with some challenges as you know, people don't want to come to the closing table because of social distancing. So we've had to adapt in that arena, but thankfully um, things, business is still running and things are still closing. Lenders are still working and if banks are open and, uh, our lean search companies are still open, which thankfully our vendors are. They're weathering the storm well. Uh, we are in business. So,
1: Same here. And, you know, some people, I always say, you know, during a situation, you either make the best out of it or you just stay there and you freak out. Right? So I've definitely noticed that even with COVID, I mean, we closed on a transaction recently and you really went above and beyond. So, you know, it's great that you're still finding ways to, make business happen, right? Even though you're on your own now. And that kind of, that kind of brings me to my next question. So you are on your own. You were working with someone else before. What brought you to go on your own?
0: So I did have a business partner and I am very much of the mentality. I am a team player and I, and I, I crave the team atmosphere. And it's definitely something that I, I like, and I thrive on however it has to truly be a team um so we had challenges in my partnership um based, you know bringing in business joint efforts really meeting uh in the middle on our efforts to grow the business and i realized quickly after getting a business coach who you actually introduced me to and has become a good great friend of ours um that i was pretty much doing it on my own already um And so when I couldn't, my efforts couldn't be matched. We realized that the partnership was better off just being friends, not not in business. And um, I, I took it on my own so that I could really grow it
1: to where it is now. That's really awesome. And, you know, since you're on your own now, and then you're, you know, you went from being with a business partner now you're on your own. So all the expenses are yours and, you know, you have to network to find your clients all on your own. So, you know, what are the biggest challenges that you've encountered while going on your own and how did you deal with them?
0: So obviously, you know, keeping up with the financials on my own was challenging. I mean, you go, you go from essentially splitting um, all your expenses and to be honest, in the beginning, it was a, our first year was a loss. We spent, we made a lot of mistakes and we spent a lot of money on rent and we weren't really organized and we didn't know what we were doing essentially as far as operating the business. The law side was covered, but the uh, owning and operating was different. So having to learn that from the ground up, what I've learned and what I value most about my position now is that I have truly worn every hat in my business. I, know every aspect of my industry um, networking has has since has become more challenging over the years as I went from you know having a business partner being unmarried and with no children to being married with One and a second on the way, uh, the networking and being able to keep up with that aspect of running the business on my own has become challenging, Um, but I put a lot of time in those early years, and I guess I still am considered in those early years, networking and cultivating those relationships, and thankfully, those have really carried through, and I've been able to keep up enough that we're seeing slow, steady growth.
1: That's awesome. And what, like, okay, so those were the challenges, you know, when you started having children and, you know, being married and whatnot. Are there any recent challenges that you're facing or that maybe you started facing in 2020 that are like a result of growth?
0: Challenges as a result of growth? I mean, yes, and I I think the biggest challenge is being spread really thin, Um, when you wear multiple hats, I'm not, I'm not only wearing multiple hats in my office, I wear multiple hats in life. Um, and it's really important to me that I put my, my son and my husband first and Mm -hmm. I wear those hats, uh, simultaneously with all the other ones I wear at work. So that's been a, a big challenge in 2020, not wanting to miss out on things with my son and moving from my home office to a remote work office and, and kind of missing out on, you know, those things. So there's that little bit of mom guilt that you feel those have been challenging. Um, and now again, I'm going through it. I uh, have my second on the way. So it, it I think time has been what I'm, I'm up against and I try to do my best to manage it. The best way that I can, so I can make my days as long as possible and that's make sure that fun. I'm getting all the appropriate hours. And but people, yeah, that's not easy. <laughs> it's a balancing act. It's a balancing act, and and every day is different, um, and comes with its own set of challenges. But
1: I, sometimes I wish that we could clone ourselves. Right? <laughs>
0: oh, I need I need
1: five of me to run efficiently. <laughs> now listen and you know at least you know the good thing and you know on the mom's on the grind some people initially thought oh you're only going to interview single moms i said no like single mom is not easy there's time and attention so if anything yes he's very helpful and he's very
0: hands-on with with my son but um that relationship in and of itself requires time and attention so definitely i definitely feel like mom on a grind feels like my title (laughs)
1: So well, the thing is, it's like you know, and you know, you know, there's a there's a lot of people that say you know when you have a husband, it's like having another kid, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, it can feel like that at times as well. Listen, I gotta, you know, I what I also have learned in all of this is that I am someone who um, likes to do it all and take it all on. I pretty much always say yes, um, and I'm also someone who. I've learned, maybe has a hard time not asking for help, but I like to just do it all. I, maybe I'm a little bit of a control freak in that regard. And so I tend to take it all on. But what I've learned as I, especially now I'm growing my family even more, is that I need to relinquish and delegate. Relinquish that control and, delegate. and it's been challenging, but once that delegation is set up and once you whoever's managing that new task is set and aware of how things need to be done and and it really has allowed me to kind of accept like even delegating things at home has helped me learn how to delegate things at work and in business and once those things are off your off my plate um and running smoothly it it was such a learning lesson wow like I can release some of that control and I actually feel a lot better.
1: I thought- So, you know, we're going to get into time management really right after that. But right now, I really want you to talk about, you know, married life and, you know, just tell me about your significant other. I know him, but, you know, for people listening out there that want to become a mom on the ground and want to know, okay, like, how do I meet a person that has, you know, similar, similar goals? What I found great about you guys is that, you know, both of you guys make money And even though you had some moments that you were growing your business, he supported you, and I guess vice versa. So just tell me a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah, so Mac is uh, my husband, and he is truly the definition of a partner, and what we have is a partnership. And what I've learned in a relationship, for me at least, and what works for us, is that anything that I am expecting of my partner, I need to be first. So, and it goes, some people may not like this, but it's, it's all across the board. If I want him to look a certain way and be in shape, well, I got to show up looking in shape and and taking care of myself as well. If I want him to uh, be this go-getter who's hustling and making money and he's on the grind, like I need to go do that too. I need to make sure that I'm out there and it doesn't necessarily mean making money in the sense that I have to support my household or who makes more, but to, you know, I'm really attracted to motivation and drive, and I think my husband is as well, and that's why it works. Um, so I I love when I see him get up extra early and get in the gym and do what he's got to do and get out and go and you know go out into his work day. And I know that he appreciates seeing me grind just as hard. Um, so I've learned to make a relationship work. If there's something that you're looking for in your partner, you need to show up with that first, and it can't be. Um, a take 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 relationship you it's that's all about giving.
1: Huge. that's so huge what you're saying because some people sometimes you know they think that oh I'm looking for this perfect person but like what are you bringing to the table right
0: right and like <laughs> you know it really forces you to take a look at yourself and try to be objective and yes yeah, like we're all great <laughs> but you know you can't sit back and think dream up this dream man who's going to take care of everything like you. <laughs> and, and be handsome and take care of himself and have this rocking bod and this big bank account and want to shower you in love and gifts and be a romantic and all. okay that sounds amazing and those people exist but you have to be that for somebody else too because if they're that much of a catch and that's what you're looking for you got to make sure you're just as much of a catch as well so yeah. I think that that has been my my biggest uh lesson in a, in a relationship, and it's something that uh, Mac and I strive for. Uh, we keep each other on our toes. We hold each other accountable. We communicate about everything, and I've really learned that through Mac. For as much as I am a talker uh, and can run things at work, I kind of come home and can sort of be an introvert a little bit in my mm-hmm. relationship, and I don't, I don't necessarily... Come forth with issues I might be having, I kind of just try to, like, get over it on my own. And Mac is the total opposite. If he has, like, the tiniest little minute issue that's not really an issue, like, he'll mention it. And he also can recognize when I'm maybe going through something that might be bothering me. It could be so silly, like, he put the toilet paper roll on wrong or something, you know, like, something silly. But he'll be (laughs) like, he gets it out of you, and and we talk about it. So everything from uh, managing our finances together to something really small. Like you left the toilet seat up and <laughs> talk about it. So communication, uh, has really been key. And Mac I, is someone I have to thank for that because he is like the master communicator and really forces me to talk things out with him. So do you, okay. So, you know, you- I think if you just really look at someone's daily activity and what their you can't really look at someone's bank account because there are plenty of wealthy people that are lazy and maybe they were, they were, uh, trust fund babies. (laughs) Yeah. Either they were trust fund babies and it just landed in their lap or maybe they did earn it and they worked for it and now they have it and they're comfortable and they're sitting back. Um, but I met Mac while I was in law school. I was in my second year of law school and in my second year of law school, when we met and he really watched me grind through law school and studying for the bar. And he could appreciate that. I wasn't work. I was working at a law firm, but not as an attorney yet. Um, so he got to see my grind, but it was its very different when you're working as a student versus in your real life. So that we have a six year age difference. And Mac was well into his career and I saw the fruits of his success, but I also saw all the phone calls and the getting up and the doing and the going and, and how busy his schedule was. Um, so I think just even looking at someone's just their day-to-day, um, and Mac and I, not forced to by any means, but we moved in with each other very short shortly after um, beginning dating. So oh, long wow. I was with Mac. I met Mac at the end end of October. I think our first date actually was early November, and I moved in in January.
1: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> what? Yeah, so it was kind of out of convenience. My lease was up, and we were apartment hunting for me. I did out, not know I, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we moved in really quickly, and I couldn't find an apartment. I was I was going from having a roommate in Brickell. Um, and splitting rent to going and finding my own one bedroom and rents were high and I couldn't find the perfect place that I felt like I could afford as a law student and we're going back and you know forth and he's coming on all of these like apartment tours and you know he's really picky about where he lives and you know he's like I don't know I don't think and and he was like listen why don't you're already spending time here why are you gonna spend two thousand dollars a month on a you know, essentially a storage unit, if you're going to be staying at my place, why don't you just move your things in, take your time to find the right place, we'll see where it goes, and I'm like, are you asking me to move in with you? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah, my parents hadn't met him at this point. They were like, you're crazy. No way. All of our friends were like, this is just going to blow up in your face, and oh um, you know what? What I've also learned in one of my biggest tidbits of advice for our friends who are like, oh, I think I want to move her in, we're like, do it. Why? Because it's an accelerator. It's an accelerator for whatever's meant to be. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, it's either going to accelerate the fact that you are meant to be and live happily ever after and push you towards the ring and getting married, or it's an accelerator to realize you guys are never going to live together. You're not compatible, and you might as well just end the relationship. But when people can go into their own corners and really separate after an argument, and just say, Oh, I'm going back to my apartment and they live separately. The relationship can go on for much longer than it really needs to just to get to the inevitable breakup. Uh, so we're, I'm a big proponent of move her in, you know, take the leap of faith. Worst comes to worst. You break up. But if you were going to break up cause you moved in now, you were going to break up cause you were going to move in five years from now. So it's a, it, it's a different mentality. It's definitely not, not old school. I didn't, I wasn't anywhere close to having a ring on my finger. We weren't, we were just beginning to date, but it worked for us. And, and
1: here we are. And okay. So you guys moved in really fast. What, when did you know that it would work out? Like what, you know, what made you say, okay, this is someone I want to have children with, because you know, sometimes you date someone and I don't know about you, but I've dated people that I was like, yeah, no. (laughs)
0: right? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, I don't think it was one particular thing or one particular moment. Um, We had a couple, we had a lot of things that we, and the main thing we had to kind of not overcome, but really discuss, I said we overcame it was um, religious differences. So I'm Jewish. He's Catholic. How are we going to raise our kids? Uh, It was something I wasn't really willing to bend or negotiate on. Um, and so that was a, that was a conversation that we were forced to have pretty quickly in our relationship. I was, you know, we'd only been dating a short time and I'm like, why am I moving in and like taking all of these steps to like move towards it? We, we hit it off immediately. So I think that that was my biggest sign. Not that I, I think, I guess I believe sort of love at first sight, love at first date. We were totally infatuated um, and we had amazing chemistry and then we were hit with this roadblock and we worked through it. So I don't think it was a particular time or a particular moment necessarily. I just think we were able to really, we were able to jive together and we, we overcame things together through communication and through, compromise and I think it was the way that we we worked through those things together that was for me the most telling um that this is what you need in a life partner because yes he's good looking but look good looks don't last forever um that's so true and yes he's <laughs> successful but you never know what tomorrow brings um and and people by nature were ever changing. And the mm-hmm. fact that I felt like we were really able to grow together and compromise through each, even just the, the little things that we were going through in the beginning phase of our relationship was telling for me that we could really get through the the tough things later as well. And obviously we had similar interests and, you know, wanted had we, we had a lot of those serious conversations that like, every Cosmo magazine tells you not to have and like don't bring up and don't be the clingy girl. And don't, I had all those conversations right up front. What I wanted, marriage, kids, how I would raise them. And he didn't get scared. And he would we were on the same page. If anything, I I'll never forget him thinking like you're 24, you're not ready for a serious relationship. Like you need to be like going out and living it up and like, how are you in this place in your life where you think you're ready for a relationship? But he even doubted, like, where I was. Um, oh, no way! Yeah, um, as far as being serious and ready, and I think he was in a place in his life. He had gotten whatever he needed to out of his system and uh, felt like he was ready for a real commitment. And he to make sure you
1: were it. too.
0: Yeah, 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 it was. It was definitely. We're definitely. Conversations where he was like, "There's no way I was nowhere near ready at 24." But men and women, you know, they mature at different ages and rates and stuff. So, but we, I think it was our compromise and getting through things together in the beginning, early on, that I realized it would work.
1: And so, did you always know that you guys wanted to get married and have children, or did did it come later on? Right. Uh,
0: I mean, obviously, initially, we weren't like, oh, let's have babies right away. But yes, I think we both, from the very beginning, we had that serious conversation of what you want out of life, because I think he was in a place where he was like, I've dated girls, I've been in long-term relationships, I've had my son, and he was in a place where he was looking for something long-term or forever, Mm -hmm. and... Um, not that I was in a place where that was what I was looking for. I was not looking for that at all. Um, but I was always open to it. I always knew that I wanted a family and I think he always knew the same. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he was at a place in his life where he was actually open to it. And so was I, but I don't think either of us were really looking like actively looking like on a hunt. 400 yeah, only I think we just started dating or we met on accident and it took its course but we did always know once we became serious yes we wanted a family
1: okay cool and you know you guys did you know you guys dated got married did the whole things like according to the book right so you know yeah, right? it, it is like
0: it, I, it's not embarrassing but sometimes it is so like cliche so storybook so like blah, blah, boring, like, yeah, we we dated, I was in school, and he had this big grand proposal after I finished law school, and a year later, we got married at our destination wedding, and then we hit a roadblock, uh, not necessarily a roadblock, but, no, actually, I'd call it, this is probably exactly what it was, a roadblock, we had all these plans for, because everything else had gone according to plan and all of my fairy tale uh, dreams, but then we hit, you know, we had challenges with me running my business and and overcoming my hurdles with my old business partner. And Max was really instrumental in pushing me to just go on my own. Um, and then when we were like, okay, we're married, we'll wait a year and start a family, we we discovered
1: that that wasn't necessarily uh, totally up to us, <laughs> which we always thought it was. So tell me what happened. So you guys are ready to have a baby, and then what happened?
0: Yeah, so we had been married um, about a year, and I actually was in the gym and working out, and all of a sudden I had this, like, really sharp shooting pain, and I thought it was my appendix. Like, it was on the floor, fetal position, and I call Mac, and I'm like, I'm driving to the hospital, like, I think I'm dying. And he's like, okay, I'll meet you there. Like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I, it's my appendix or something. I've never felt pain like this. So we get to the emergency room and they're like, um, honey, your appendix is on the other side. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so we do an ultrasound and it turns out that I had a massive cyst rupture and the. A what? Uh, A cyst, a, a massive cyst on my ovaries rupture. And the. ER nurse uh, that did the scan, uh, the ultrasound had said, you know, advised me that I should follow up with my OB. And mm-hmm. so I'd always gone for my annual checkups, my annual pap smears, got my birth control, went on my merry little way, and I never had any major issues. There were some complications. When I was a little younger, but nothing regarding my, my ovaries. Now, I had never had a regular menstrual cycle, but I was always told by my OB it's because you're on birth control. Sometimes it causes irregularity because there's, all you know, hormone imbalance and maybe the estrogen is um, too low. So I never paid any attention to it and neither did my physician. So I never had anything to worry about. Well, apparently not having a regular period coupled with What's physically seen on your ovaries via an ultrasound um, came to the diagnosis of having um, polycystic ovaries. Mm. So I am, I have PCOS and, um, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, which just means my I have several cysts on my ovaries, which prevents me from ovulating regularly, which prevents me from getting a regular menstrual cycle. And also when you're not, when you're not re- ovulating regularly, you you have less of a chance to get pregnant. So every month, an ordinary woman will ovulate and she has that opportunity when the egg drops to either fertilize or not. <laughs> and, I was getting only about two or three periods a year. So I was only ovulating two or three times a year.
1: Oh, it's almost like as if you had like an IUD.
0: Yeah, essentially. And so what the the first thing the doctor said was, well, if you, you know, this could just be because of your birth control. So we got off the birth control. Um, I was off for six months, didn't regulate. And she was like, you still have, you're still polycystic. Um, you know, I, it's kind of a shot in the dark is what she told us to try on our own. Uh, and those were her words. Um, I think already, and i don't quote me, but I think the statistic is even a woman who has a normal menstrual cycle and a healthy male with healthy sperm count, even then when you're timing it, you still only have a 25% chance of conceiving. So the fact that I had no regularity to my menstrual cycle, I would have had no idea when to schedule to try or any of that. And, and it's funny because I grew up my whole life on birth control trying to prevent that. And I'm sure Mac was in the same position trying to prevent that. And, <laughs> and then you get to a point in your life where, you, where it's something that you want and you realize it's a lot harder than you always thought. Um, so to hear that it was a shot in the dark was really tough for us, um, but we were willing to do whatever it took. Uh, so she had a course of treatment which would which in which she tried to regulate my period via um, oral medication. We were on um, progesterone, so we would stimulate periods to try to get me to ovulate. We did around nine rounds um, unsuccessfully, where I was timing nine out. rounds of what? nine rounds of uh, progesterone and I was on something called letrozole, which is so it would stimulate a period, force me to ovulate and then I was able to now track when I was going to ovulate so that I knew, okay, Mac, it's game time we have days, this day to this day where we got to try and it was very orchestrated it was very stressful in our
1: relationship Um, You said it was orchestrating, like what do you mean?
0: Meaning we need to do it here and now at this time. And I mean, I'll never, we, and we went above and beyond. Like it it really takes all the romance out of sex. Like there's just no, it's out the door. So uh, it's like, Hey, I have five minutes and this is the optimal time. And this is what my temperature is. And this is what the, the ovulation stick says. And I, you know, so it was very, very orchestrated. I'll never forget after, I think it was, seven or eight times that we had tried and the doctor was, you know, losing hope essentially. And so she had me come in and said, listen, maybe your the ovulation sticks are wrong. Next time you you use the ovulation sticks and it says that you're positive for ovulating and you're your, in your active days, come into the office, schedule an appointment. We'll do a quick ultrasound to see if your body is doing what the stick says it's doing. Mm-hmm. So we did exactly that. And I'll never forget, right before I went to the doctor, I had a, the blinking smiley face. I'm like, it's go time. Max had a business trip up in Orlando. So we got it in. He went on his trip. I went to the doctor. And I'm like, I have the blinking smiley face. We just had sex. Everything's going to be perfect. This time it's going to work. And she does this ultrasound scan. And she's like, you're not ovulating. You're about to, but you're about two or three days from ovulating, like, you like you're off on the window, and I'm like, no, 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 like this can't be. He's leaving, and she's like, Natalie, you're taking several rounds of really strong medication. You need to go, and I'm like, go. She goes, you need to go wherever he his business trip. I'm like, I have ha- you mean you want me to go to Orlando and follow him there? It ended up, and she was like, if you're not going to take this seriously, and and it's, I'm not asking you to fly to China. I'm asking you to drive to Orlando. She's like, I can't keep up with this treatment. You need to do your part. I can prescribe the medicine, but you guys gotta do the act. And I was like, okay. So I'll call my mom and I'm hysterically crying. I'm like, this seems so pathetic. And it's, and <laughs> she shared the same sentiment as the doctor, like, you're it's minimal effort, you know, for what needs to be done. And turns out it was just so funny. Like there was no hotel rooms in the same hotel that Mac was staying at. I ended up having to like I drove up there, stayed at a hotel down the street by myself. I basically was sitting all day in a hotel room waiting for him to get out of his conferences, to come home, to come back to the hotel, to do it, to like, oh my god! Go. Yeah. So it, when I tell you zero romance, like, and it was stressful. Like it was also his first conference at a brand new job. Oh so, you know, he had to really put his game face on to be at work and be focused on that. And, it, you know, I can't imagine what he was going through to try to be present at work and present there for me in the relationship and trying. It was a, like a lot of pressure and all of that. And it didn't work. So, oh my God. yeah. So we got to another phase where the doctor's yeah. like, OK, something's up because so she we did another um, exam exam on my fallopian tubes and I think that that was what kind of did the trick so she did something called an hsg exam which tests to see if your fallopian tubes are open so this is a scary exam because if your fallopian tubes are blocked or clogged uh, and I've I've been told that they're about the uh, diameter of an angel hair pasta so they're tiny little tubes supposedly um and If they're closed, you have no chance, like zero chance of conceiving naturally. Um, IVF may work, implantation may work, but um, typically the next phase in infertility would be to try an IUI, an intrauterine insemination, which would force sperm to go up the fallopian tubes. But in order to do that procedure, you had to get this one done first. Thankfully, mm-hmm. the scan read that both my fallopian tubes were open and um, I was told by the doctor that, you know, now that both tubes are open, we're going to schedule you for your IUI, your inner determination for the following month. And this was in, this was January, it was the day before my birthday that I had this procedure done. And I was super excited to hear that. It was an option and that I wasn't yeah. going to do anything crazy, crazy. Yeah. So it was a great outcome. And Mac and I finally were like, okay, we just need to take the month off. We don't need to try. Like we were super just relaxed. We were like, February, we have our appointment set. I think it was like February 11th is our appointment or something. And mm-hmm. we don't need to go in and we'll just,
1: we'll just do the IUI in February and so you just basically decided to stop like purposely yeah i wasn't
0: are. tracking anything i stopped using the ovulation sticks i just said we'll go in february and that's how we'll we'll try to conceive next and hopefully that works and just like we both needed a break like it was a lot of pressure um and We found out we were pregnant (laughs) on... Because I'm obviously still tracking things on my app. I had like five different apps to track all these things. And I get an alert and a notification that if you menstruated on whatever day, then you should check Mm -hmm. on such and such day. So February 5th, I'm looking at my app. Even though I'm not tracking to get pregnant, I'm still keeping up with what my my ovulation looks like and my menstrual cycle looks like and I get an alert oh if you haven't received your period by February 5th you should take a pregnancy test so I I knew I wasn't pregnant but I got I was like I'm just gonna wait for Mac and then I'm gonna try I think I had like a pregnancy test laying around the house and Mm -hmm. he left for work and right as he left I like ran to the bathroom and I took the test and I knew I wasn't pregnant. So I came back to my desk, and I was working from home at the time, and I put the test down, and I get back to work. And, then, like, an hour later, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, oh I, gotta go. <laughs> and I forgot it was there. And it said yes. Oh, my and God. <laughs> I was in shock, like, full body chills. I'm, I'm talking to my dog, like, oh, my God. Oh my God, I got to go. I the test. I ran to the grocery store and I bought a very natural thing. Women have been getting pregnant since the beginning of time and having babies since the beginning of time. And, um, I felt, I felt, I felt that my body failed me. And I also felt that I kind of failed my husband. Like, you know, we got married and are compatible because we were both on the same page about wanting to start a family. And when I, we realized that, which sounds so terrible to put blame, but, like, when you're in it, it's just the way that you feel. You're like, I'm the problem. Mm. It it felt like I was really letting him down. Like, this wasn't what he wanted out of, I'm sure he wanted the fairy tale, easy breezy, try a couple months, you know, get the surprise, she's pregnant. Like, and it just happened naturally without it having to be all of this work. Mm-hmm. um so in a lot of ways yeah I felt like my body failed me I felt like what did I do wrong in the sense like was I should I never have taken birth control what like what did I what you know what did I do what what like what did I do that what did, did happen how did I um and and also you know failing you were like oh let's stop trying like oh come for more sure about I mean listen it's it's breath. There was nothing wrong with him, and he had to go through his fair share of testing too to make sure that, you know, I wasn't not conceiving because of his firm count motility, you know, and all of that. Like, he thankfully checked out and there weren't any issues on his side. So mm-hmm. then it was kind of like, all right, well, all fingers are pointed to you, and, you oh, know, no. are you doing everything that you need to do? And then that in and of itself is stressful, but you're not supposed to stress. <laughs> so it is, it's tough. It was definitely a really hard time. It it took a lot of mental energy. Um, it took a lot of, um, my time and focus. Like I even think maybe my business struggled like a little bit from it because I was just so in my head. Um, Mm -hmm. and I really did prioritize that. And, you know, once, at least for me, once someone tells me I can't do something, I'm going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I definitely struggled with that. Um. But you know, fast forward a year and a half, and well, even less than that. On my son, right after my son's first birthday, mm-hmm. I, I obviously after my son was born, I still never went back to having normal periods. We'll we'll start there. Never went back to having normal periods. Still polycystic. Good question. And-
1: I just want to go back a little bit before you go into that, yeah. right? Because we're going to talk about, because you're on your way to baby number two, but before that, you know, you told me it was January. Do you remember the vision board party we had? Yes. Do you think that mindset is like, and you you did talk about it when you said that, you know, people say that, you know, it's when you stop thinking about it. Do you remember the discussion we had? Do you feel like the moment that you, you just shifted your mindset that things started happening?
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of, and again, it's that cliche like kind of let go, let God, and and just let things happen and don't stress and and put it out there and let the universe kind of bring it back to you. Um, and it, what you're putting out will boomerang back. Just you gotta let it go. You can't force it. Um, mm-hmm. and we had a vision board party. I think it was
1: Does what it the twenty seventh of
0: December. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a couple of weeks after your birthday, and I was so hyper focused on this particular topic. And it was such a special day because it was for me. I didn't know anybody else really, other than your sister, or a couple people that were there, and we all sat in a in a circle and kind of just shared where we were in life and the things that we wanted and why we put certain things on our boards. And I was so hyper-focused on starting a family and having this baby and conceiving. And it was a big portion of my board was about family and pregnancy and health and all of that. And I conceived, you know, less than 15 days later.
1: Um, That's insane
0: yeah when I was in a really positive mindset i was i kind of had already let go because that we had that vision board party even prior to me finding out my fallopian tubes were open hmm um and then I did that exam and my body magically ovulated on its own you know i, I think i think if you just you know it's and it's so hard to do i, I it was a year plus of you know, actively trying and doing something to move me closer to the goal every day, like whether it was health and fitness, whatever it was, like I, it was constant uh, and it was constantly on my mind. And then when I finally just said, I'm going to make it very clear what I want and mm-hmm. put, put what I need to in place, do the tests that I have to, it may not, I also had to give up uh, the idea of, it happening exactly the way that I pictured. Um, And that translates to so many things in my life. Like I, even my business, I always imagined my business getting to where I'm at maybe differently than how I got there. So it it really isn't necessarily about how you get there. It's about, you know, getting that end result.
1: And now you're pregnant again. Let me Tell me how that happened, because you were just telling me before that, you know, you weren't, it's like you had your baby, and then you just didn't ovulate the same way. How did that happen? It happened on accident. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> no, a blessing, but totally out of the blue. So I had my son, um, I've gone to my OB twice since he was born, just, uh, you know, annual pap, and one other time, I had a really sharp pain again, and... I thought maybe it was a cyst that had ruptured, so I just made an appointment to ensure what was going on. I also never got... I was on birth control for about a year after my son was born um, by mandate from my doctor because I had a C-section, and they did not want me to conceive again prior to one year after giving birth because it's risky as far as your uterus expanding and I guess it can cause complications with uh, uterine rupture if you conceive too soon after c-section so Mm -hmm. he put me on birth control he said one year I got off at 11 months because I just felt so bad being on it I really felt that it was a contributing factor to the to my PCOS and I I knew I wanted to have more children I just definitely wasn't ready or you know it wasn't on my radar I just thought, well, I'm obviously polycystic. It took so long and it was so tough to conceive the first time. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to get off it. I'll be fine. And my son turned one in October and I had gone to the doctor, I think it was in September and cause I had that really sharp pain and they did a ultrasound and he he confirmed you're definitely polycystic you're telling Mm -hmm. me you're not menstruating regularly and I can see on your ovaries so still polycystic so I thought for sure I'm getting off birth control next month and I'm just like I'll be fine Mm -hmm. well (laughs) um and I was fine and I am fine but we had a huge surprise I haven't because I don't get a period regularly, I basically buy birth control. Uh, excuse me, uh, pregnancy tests every month just to have on hand and take just to have an idea. Hey, maybe I'm, I'm pregnant.
1: pregnant. Maybe I'm not. Right?
0: Right. Because I don't. Right. I don't know if I'm not if I'm not getting my period because I'm pregnant, or if I'm not getting my period because First
1: thing you I'm I really make it like growing, and you're like, "Oops." <laughs>
0: uh oh. Yeah. So I'm like, "Wow. I didn't get my period for a couple months. Let me just take a test. Let me just see." And sure enough, I (laughs) took a test and like, I am like queen of surprises and loving, I love doing cute things to surprise my husband. And like, I, I, so not my style, but I took the test and he's in the shower and we're in the bathroom at the same time. He, like, I would have never done this if I really thought it was positive, I right? I literally, like, I just, I would have, met, I would have. like, like I said, with my son, I, like, waited till he left the house, because I'm like, if it was, I need to be able to, like, plan something cute to tell him, and, like, a nice way to surprise him, and this was so not bad. I was like, there's no way I'm pregnant, <laughs> and I took it, I looked at it, it almost instantly said pregnant. Instantly. Yeah. I'm telling you, I didn't even... I couldn't even blink. And I, you know, I'm a little disappointed in my reaction. I think I got scared. I'm such a planner and I'm so um, type A and I like to be prepared. And <laughs> it was the last thing that I expected. I'm so over the moon, happy and excited. But when a major life decision like that is made for you without, any real planning. I mean, yes, we did the deed. Clearly we, we got pregnant somehow. Uh, so obviously we knew what we were doing and the risk that was involved or, or, you know, not risk isn't a bad thing, but we knew what we were doing. We were having unprotected. (laughs) So Clearly there's that option and it's on the table, but, uh, it was the furthest thing from my mind. And my plan was to conceive in July, but now I've conceived in December
1: You know what I feel? I feel like you know what with you, like nobody cares about your plan for (laughs) babies.
0: Literally, Literally. (laughs) and I will never forget. But Mac was so excited. I was like, "Oh my god, Mac!" And he's like, "Stop messing around! You're so dumb!" Like because he thought I was kidding, and I'm like, "Mac, I'm not kidding. Open your eyes and get out of the shower right now!" And he was like. You're so dramatic. Like you're like like stop fucking around. And I'm like I'm not. And I like open the shower door. He and thought you were joking. He thought I was kidding. And he like had like this like nervous laugh, and then was like so excited and so happy. He's like, babe, this is amazing. And he's just like instantly positive, and I'm instantly like how the hell am I going to make this happen? <laughs> like, I, was, I was like, this wasn't my plan. This isn't allowed to happen. I didn't consent to this right away. Uh, and, you know, it took, it took, and then I, then I had all this guilt, like instantly it was all night. I went through a roller coaster. I was so happy. And then I ran to the store and I got another test. Sure enough, that one was positive too. And it was an emotional roller coaster all night of being super excited and grateful that it just happened. And we didn't have to try and that like, God has a plan and this is what it was. And we went through like all of that and can't wait to love something as much as we like someone else, as much as we love our son and have that in our life. And then we went through the, what if, how is this going to impact ace he's so little we're going to have two under two and what he's not going to understand and it's not just going to be the three of us and what if he gets jealous or he feels like we don't love him as much
1: like how are we he's going to get jealous but he'll be fine
0: <laughs> yeah, but like you know it the night we found out was comical it, i mean i wish we you know had a camera filming because it just we went through all of the emotional roller coaster like all the ups and downs
1: like being happy and being worried and freaking out and being grateful and
0: Yeah. And then I felt, and then I would feel like such an asshole for being worried or feeling anything negative, like being scared or, um, it just was like, I'm so, I am so grateful because it is, it, I know what it was and how and this is coming from someone who had a hard time conceiving. I still, my initial reaction was, Oh no. Like, and, and it's not going to negatively, it just was not in my plan. It wasn't what I was expecting. It caught me completely off guard. So that was my initial mm-hmm. knee-jerk and then reaction. And then I felt like such an asshole. Like, how could you feel that way? You should feel so lucky and so blessed that you didn't have to do the, all the drama you went through the first time. And and not only that, but, like, what is what a blessing. How could this be negative at all? And it's so easy. You know, I had that, that guilt. Like, how could that have been my knee-jerk reaction? And, how, like, but... You know, I'm sh- I'm sure there are other women who can relate that you know if you're for unplanned pregnancies where you're just like you're as much as you love your baby and as much as it's the biggest blessing and best thing in your life, your knee jerk reaction and initial reaction was oh shit. <laughs> no. And, and, like- and I, but I felt a lot of guilt for it, but now I couldn't be happy, and I'm so excited and you know.
1: And now that you're pregnant again, like what's different about the experience?
0: You know, the actual pregnancy itself is um, relatively the same. I'm very, very, very lucky that I am pretty asymptomatic. I don't, I very minimal nausea. Yes, I get tired. It's different because now I have a toddler who doesn't care that mommy's tired. Um, And also like your first pregnancy, I feel like everyone's like, Oh my gosh, let me get the door for you. And what can I send you? And let me send food and let me take care of you. And how are you? And send me pictures of your belly. And second pregnancy, nobody gives a shit. (laughs) I, most days forget I'm pregnant because I'm running after a toddler, growing my business. Um, One thing I learned with with Ace was, uh, unfortunately I learned it the hard way. I didn't have any employees at the time when he was born. I thought I could swing it myself. And I didn't take any maternity leave this pregnancy. I'm in a position now where I'm starting to, I do have employees that help me um, and I am creating an infrastructure that will be able to function with me, either working remotely and minimally for a couple of weeks at least, um, so that I can really take that time. I, I, I didn't take any time in, when I had ACE to just be a mom. I had a closing that I attended eight days after my son was born. Um, Like I was working in the hospital, sending escrow letters, getting epidural shots. Like I didn't stop and I didn't take it. All of my pictures with my son when he was a newborn are literally me sitting in my office. And so I I do want to make sure that I take the time that's necessary for me because I, I think it really impacted my mental health and my, um, my ability to really bounce back and like reacclimate, I think it really affected that. I think it hindered it, slowed it down because I was, instead of just taking the time I needed to not only heal my body, but just readjust to what life was now, I was Mm -hmm. trying to do that and keep my business running. And it kind of was easy,
1: right? it's not easy with a baby I can't even imagine what it's like to you know be pregnant and sometimes you don't feel 100 percent, and then you have like a small baby right
0: yeah I mean it, it you know you, you have to just keep going you just and, and when you're in a business the way that I am where I'm dealing with other people's money and their their lives they want to move like it's a real life situation it's not like I'm you know it's and it's a big deal. Real estate's a big deal, and the responsibility is large. So when you're dealing with having to juggle both and be a hundred percent in two different places, it's really challenging. Um, so I, I think that this next baby, what I've learned is that I'm going to take the time to be with my baby in the beginning. And it's gonna have to come at whatever cost it comes at. Obviously, I don't want it to negatively impact my business because that's my livelihood. That's how I support for my children. That's how we, I help support my household. So never let it like crumble me. But what I've also learned is that if someone has to wait an extra ten minutes to get to the for me to respond in an email, it's gonna
1: be okay. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I learned that too the hard way. Because when you have kids, it's like, you know, sometimes they come first. Sometimes- they come first, and also, you know, sometimes people with children don't always understand. Exactly.
0: Oh, 100%. I act, you know, especially in the current climate, everyone's working from home. I had a call with another lawyer, and, like, it was actually a man, and... Not to say that they don't understand, because there are plenty out there that totally but do. Have to do well at
1: all. All, because they're not, a lot, not always, but sometimes they don't have to deal with the children most of the time, the women. Well,
0: right. And this particular, this particular guy I was on the phone with, it was like, oh, my God, go get your baby. Don't worry. Just call me back when you can oh, no, or send me an email. Yeah. Awesome. like he's our understanding. He's a dad himself. Um, so he, he understands the, like what it is. And especially now where everyone's kind of forced to work at home, even if you're the guy that, or the guy that wasn't so hands-on with his children, cause he was the breadwinner and out making the money and, and didn't, you know, the, you know, the roles were really divided in that regard. He, they're being forced to be around it now when you got to work <laughs> at home, you know, you are in it. So not surprised. Um, he was super <laughs> empathetic, but.
1: That's awesome. And, you know, now that you're going to have another kid and you have your business. So now we're going to talk a little bit about um, just time management and routines, because I'm an advocate for being transparent with, you know, let's say we do are getting help. You know, and I've said it before, you know, I started getting a cleaning lady, even when I couldn't really afford it, um, just because, you know, my mindset at the time was, listen, if I'm worth, let's say, $200 an hour, let's just say, right? Mm-hmm. And my cleaning lady is charging, let's say, $100 for four hours. Like, I'm like, should I be doing $20, $25 an hour work when I'm worth yeah. $200 an hour? So, you know, it was difficult for me, but the time that, it's, that it gave me was, you know, priceless. So, you know, let me know about just, you know, have you always been a disciplined person
0: I've always been a, a disciplined person, for sure. And I I, I think exa- what you said is so wise. And in when you say it, it makes sense. But putting it in practice is also oh, really yeah, it's hard. hard. It's super
1: hard. Come on.
0: Uh, you know, I would always look at, and I still do, okay, you know, should I hire someone to help me? What's it going to cost? Can I afford it? Yeah, maybe I can afford it. Like, literally, I could pay them. But it what's it going to take out of my pocket? And, you know, that's a... especially with with work. Um, But I realized very quickly after having my son, it was not going to be possible for me to grow my business to where I wanted it to be, which was to be a, a business that was able to really support my family if I was not giving it you know, a hundred percent while I was there. And I was basically always 50% with a baby on my hip and at my desk. And it just, it it wasn't, I was spread too thin. So I have always been a disciplined person. Um, before children, you know, I, I was, I'm very regimented, very type A, always had a schedule, lived by a to-do list. Um, when I had, a baby, and really, it, it did kind of shift that. Not every day is perfect, you know. I still need to remember to, you know, remind myself, like, okay, this is what this is this is what you need to do to feel your best and be your best self. Mm-hmm. Um, And part of that is outsourcing. And so, thank God, I have a nanny, and she's amazing, and she loves my son. And my house would not operate. I like, I don't know how I lived without her,
1: um,
0: <laughs> and. She paid for herself, literally. Because if I was doing what she had to do, I wouldn't be able to go out and make the money that I have to pay her. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the time that it allowed me to go work and earn a living pays for her tenfold. I mean, not tenfold, but pretty much. Um, So, and and I realized, you know, it was obviously a sacrifice I had to give up that time with my son, but what I remind myself and what I always tell my son is that, it, you know, even though he's one and he doesn't have a clue what I'm saying, um, is that it really is all for him. Everything I do, even the time that I'm sacrificing to be with him is for him. It's for me to be able to set him up so that I never have to say no. I don't have to choose. Can I afford it? Can't like, you know, he's always going to have what he wants and what he needs. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. so that in itself take it, you know, it took me a while to get to the point where I was like, okay, I need to relinquish some control both at my, at home and at work. Um, uh-huh. and that was by hiring people. Um, and you, you said it best. It definitely, it definitely took me a really long time. And I think not, be, not, it wasn't greed, but I needed the money. I needed to keep all of the money that I was earning. What I didn't realize is that if I just gave it up a little bit in the beginning, that I would earn it 10 times more and easily on my own.
1: And for you, you know, you said you were always disciplined. So, you know, I know it's hard to get some help, but just you on your own, right? So let's just go back a little bit in terms of discipline. So you said you were always disciplined. What in terms of discipline, have you had to adjust when having children or even maybe like before children, right? Like just right before getting ace or whatnot, did you make any changes to like your routines or your morning routines or your night routines? You know, tell me a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I
0: mean, it's one thing to be disciplined and it's another thing that like, I think their routines are, are vital and I didn't realize how important they were. And actually you gave me a book Um, and recommended a book when we were at that vision board party a few years ago. And I had put on my vision board that I really wanted to get into a morning routine and have a solid um, system in the morning just so that I could get through the things that were really important to me that maybe I didn't feel like I wanted to get to in the day. And um, it helped me so, so, so much, and it's that the Miracle Morning book, and some days I think that, pardon?
1: That book is so good.
0: Oh my god, it's so good. I will never forget, I sat on New Year's Day, and I read the whole thing. It's a small book. It's a quick, easy read. I read it in a day, and I instantly was like literally January 1st implemented it and it's changed my life and it's how I do my mornings. And it's, and trust me, there are mornings where I don't get to it and they my day is like shit. Mm-hmm. Like I so, need that in my life. Like, even if it's an accelerated version, sometimes I don't always have the hour and a half because I'm tired or whatever. Or I didn't get a five work.
1: minute. work. What is it? There's a six minute miracle morning too, that we can do. Like, you know, I found that sometimes just doing a little bit of it helps. Yes, and,
0: and 100%. And, you know, there, because I am, quote-unquote, so disciplined and I, I do put a lot of pressure on myself in the morning, I started to see that the morning, as I, had the, as I got Ace, and obviously there's no routine for the first six weeks. He was eating every three hours. I was not sleeping. So there was no miracle morning happening whatsoever. But once I started getting him on a sleep schedule, I realized the importance of implementing that back in my life. And even if it is me sort of, rushing through it and maybe not reading 10 pages from a book, but listening to a podcast, um, getting in those, having that routine of the things that are important to me. It was also, it was such a gift to myself and it was like my little bit of like self love and self care that I can fit into the day. And like sometimes I literally do it before he wakes up while I'm still laying in bed. Like it's, you know, I used to have this big ritual. I would get up and I would sit in my, my living room and I had a place on my couch with my book and my coffee and my blanket and I would, my yoga mat and I would have my whole morning all to myself in my house. And some mornings it looks like that. And then some mornings I'm sitting up in bed and, you know, listening to a podcast and kind of going through my visualizations and my affirmations and journaling from my bed. So it just, it depends on the day, but I get in some sort of my miracle morning every, every day.
1: And what and about, so night morning. Morning. you know, the, 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 the morning, did anything change at night too?
0: Um, you know, I think I've always had, so I, I am a really big proponent of self-care and that in and it of itself also does con- like sound super corny, but I think it's so important because my entire day, because I, I'm an extremely hard worker. I put a lot of stress and pressure on myself to provide the utmost customer service. And when I'm at work, I am a hundred percent at work. And when I'm with my son, I am a hundred percent with my son. I, I put my phone down. It's me and Ace time. And like, I am the silly goofy mom rolling around making sounds and like barking like a dog to make my son laugh. Like it's my son. Like I'm very dedicated to whatever the task is at hand and my nighttime, my mornings and my nights when I'm kind of by myself, I really do try to make special for myself. So my routine obviously, you know, make dinner, clean up, but I'm talking like after I, I, I implemented, like I make sure I always have like a nice skincare routine. And it's just like the little things that I can do for myself that kind of re-energize me and reinvigorate me to kind of like keep going. Yeah, It's like that little bit of self-love and and can go. Um, Part of that is planning my day, like for the next day. So I always like to make a list of my top six things, my top six to-dos. So I have even just in my notes section uh, what my routine is, and I can even slide my phone open and read it to you. So I have wake up, pray, meditate. Ace Time, Coffee, Get Ready, Desk by Nine, and then I have my top six work to-dos that I have to get done or personal to-dos, whether it's go to the DMV and renew my driver's license or prep a file for closing or get a workout in, um, and I'll have my top six to-dos for the day, and then I have my nighttime routine, which is workout, bath time, dinner, Mhm and you know shower skincare and prep for the next day.
1: So um I remember that you know at first you know when you start doing the miracle morning you know everyone has trouble I had trouble what tip would you give to someone who would want to start a morning routine?
0: Um I I think
1: read that book. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that book literally, like, like, gets to your head and it makes you, do, like, want to do it. It's insane. It
0: really does. Like, it really does. Like, anybody that's ever said, I want a, r- a routine, I'm like, you need to just read the book. And, like, it will, it resonated with me in every way. I fell in love with all of the, uh, every aspect of the routine that they had set up. It, it like, it totally spoke to me. And it, like, brings such peace and happiness and mental clarity. So honestly, I would tell them to start with the book and to just start. Um, you know, the concepts that the book was sharing didn't they weren't foreign to me. I always I am an avid journaling person. I always would journal and I always write affirmations and visualize things. So those things weren't such foreign concepts to me. It was nice that I was able to designate a particular time in my day particularly the beginning of my day and start my day like that i never really was systematic in doing it that way um but if that's not your thing yet and you have never tried it i think it's just a matter of diving in and and starting um get get a planner and or like a you know a journal and and start
1: And, like, for you, do you have any other resources that help you? It could be, like, podcasts, you know, maybe, like, other books that you've liked, anything that you feel has has helped you during your difficult times or even in becoming an entrepreneur?
0: Yeah, so podcasts that I absolutely love, um, depends on my mood, but if I'm in, like, a maybe just need to be, like, a little cheered up slash um, something like a really easy listen. I love, uh, the skinny confidential him and her. They're both, it's an entrepreneurial couple. They're very much my idea of what a power couple is super laid back, not judgy, but like on top of their shit. So I love listening to them. Okay. Um, I love, uh, school of greatness.
1: Yeah, I love
0: it too. I love too. To I've For show. years, I love his podcast. Um, yeah. And what else? So I was listening to. I think my actual my first like podcast that I really ever got into was Behind the Brilliance.
1: Oh, I loved that. Yeah, I loved that one.
0: And I and I it was like I think you may have even shared it with me a few years ago. That was the first time I got hooked on a podcast. It was like one of the first podcasts that I would re- listen to religiously. Um, and then for business, I I love Gary V. Yeah,
1: me too. Um, it's funny because Gary I love loves. Gary V, but I've had to disconnect from it for a bit just because I find that he's like a man that who doesn't have to take care of his children. So some of the things I can't relate to. Too.
0: Right. And, and I'm, I was just going to you know, kind of have a caveat to that. So I love Gary V. And I did have to take a step back from listening to some of his content because, It's all about, I think it's geared much more to the 19-year-old boy who can, you know, live under a rock. rock. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like, live on the street, eat ramen noodles, and has no responsibility because his mom's still doing his laundry. Like, I'm, you know, it doesn't speak to me that way because it's just not an option. It's not an option for me to ignore my family yeah his his whole thing is you know you should be on the grind marketing yourself until the death of you and from the second you wait like don't sleep take minimal time to eat and just work and unfortunately I don't even, even if I even if I did that for myself I still need to make sure that my son is eating and sleeping and my husband's my household's running properly so I totally totally agree um and I think his content has over the years gotten more and more that way but I remember it wasn't you know, that bad before. it though. wasn't it wasn't always mm-hmm. that way no it wasn't
1: um okay I'm glad to so, you know I'm not the only one who feels like no, very strongly about this because no you're I'm, so right I'm like I can't relate you know it's great it's, it's good motivation sometimes you know but it's just I'm having trouble relating. But I feel like his underlying message of just working hard and giving it, you know, giving great effort, that that always stands. Oh, hundred percent. Okay. Well, you know what? Thank you so much for everything. I think I asked you even more questions than we had initially.
0: <laughs> oh no, listen. I'm I hope I I hope I answered everything and that everyone, you know, that you
1: you feel like I I shared
0: uh Enough. I I'm a pretty open book. I answer anything. I'm I'm not. I don't have anything to hide. So hopefully, what I was able to share helps or resonated with somebody.
1: Because um, I think that's what it's all about. Thank you so much for coming on. And where can people find you?
0: Um, you can find me particularly on Instagram. That's my like platform of choice at Natalie Zaguri Scott. And if you're looking for real estate services at Zigary Scott PA on Instagram, uh, I'm also on all other platforms, Facebook and LinkedIn
1: using the same username. And I'm going to have people follow you also to follow how you like make tables and how you like present food and like create your own. Hey. Stuff. I think that should be like a whole other podcast. Cause I think that should be like our side business.
0: <laughs> well, I always, I, you know, I'll never forget like, right after I graduated law. So I was like, Hey Mac, um, what do you think about became an event planner? And he's like, when you pay off your student loan debt, you can do whatever you want. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, another podcast, but, uh, definitely have that, that passion
1: for pretty plates and cute gatherings. Oh man. No, honestly, you are awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and being super honest about it. So talk to you soon. Yes. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to another episode of the Moms on the Grind podcast. One thing I want to ask you guys is that if you're enjoying this podcast, I would appreciate it so much if you could take a minute, not even a minute, like two seconds, to just give us a five-star rating and also I'm always open to feedback if you guys have any ideas of what else what else I should be doing or things that I should be doing better please email me don't forget to dm me um all for constructive criticism and if you do like the podcast also let me know right that also you know puts a smile on my face and keeps me going so don't forget to follow us on social media at moms on the grind and you can also follow me personally at sarah Desamores. And again, please give me a five-star rating if you enjoyed this episode. And don't forget to follow Natalie as well. She's awesome. Thank you so much, guys.